if you're focused around, you have your clear vision and mission for your business and understand what makes you unique, and you're focused on your customers, you're going to have a business that will last a lot lifetime. You know, the foolish thing that I've seen people do is they build, they try to build companies for quick exits. So stupid. You're chasing the wrong goals. It's, it's the challenge of a publicly traded company who has to make short-term decisions when they really should be making long-term ones in a private. And, and so people, it says, oh, I'm going to create a quick flip. Okay. If you build a great business with great profits and really sticky customers that really are passionate about your brand, there's going to be multiple exits. Build it a list, at least it's going to last forever and then look for opportunities to exit, but keep the business as if it's going to be there for a lifetime and there'll be other buyers for your business. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have a very special guest here today. I have Tom Shipley with me, and he brings an unbelievable background in, in business and the Israeli special forces in perseverance. And one of my favorite things is being resourcefulness instead of having, you don't have resources. So I'm really excited to jump into this series with him and have a great talk today. Tom, welcome to Money Talkers. Thank you, Cody. It's great to be here. Man, I don't even know where to start with this, but I think I want to start off with, uh, tell me how you were in school and decided to take off for Israel, just to get this show going, started off the, right off the bat, hot, so. Absolutely. Well, in life, we always, you know, I think we often ask the question, why? And really have to come to terms with that, and it evolves over time. And, and for me is, you know, and, and, and purpose and what my contribution is going to be. I mean, inevitably, the way I look at life is the person who wins is the person who had the most epic memories and had the biggest contribution on people's lives. I mean, that to me is, is like what where, where winning is. But when I was young, it was, um, I was passionate about my Judaism, about this idea of this new young state of Israel. And that was in a very tough neighborhood. And I, when I was in school and life was at Florida State was going great. But I had this need to start my life now. I had this need to have this massive contribution. And I had this vision that I'd move to Israel, contribute to this young state being created, and I'd serve in the Israeli army. Now, what was, you know, while you have a vision, the question is, is, is there a reality check there? Do you know the language? No. Um, do, you have, uh, do you have family there? No. Do you know a lot of people there? Not really. How's <laughs> um, your athletic ability? It was fine. I was a kind of a long distance runner, kinda. But you know, so and then I had this other vision that I was going to be in special forces, and and you know, it's like it's 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 
it's kind of like I have this job that I that's fine and my life is good and I have this urge to go and create a company with this vision of I am going to build a multi-million dollar business that's going to last for a long period of time and I'm going to have a great exit event. Now you're talking about the less than the 1% or the 0.5% that ever achieved that as far as the number of companies that started that achieved that. So it's the same philosophy of, of, of when you have something and you have something that you envision, create that vision, get it very clear, and then just build the path to get there and just knock, don't try to knock all the obstacles down, just one of the biggest dominoes in front of you. And that was it for me. It was, okay, let me go home, tell my parents. Okay, they um, resoundingly, they said, don't do it. No way, don't go. We're not going to support you. Let's unleash it. Anyways, how did you even know you could join the Israeli army coming from Florida State? <laughs> like, that, that <laughs> the first part of it was like, uh, you know, like there's like there's there's crazy things that college kids do. But like that one's up there. So how did you how did you even know you could do that? I started making phone calls. Really? Just taking action. Taking action. It's what right. you do is yeah. you need to start. Yeah. You can you can you can dream about things for so long. Benevolently, it's the power of taking action and momentum. And it might not get you exactly where you thought it was going to go, but the momentum will carry you where you should be going. So um, um, I ended up just getting to Israel, talked into being in university first. The war in Lebanon broke out. The first war in Lebanon, everyone my age was gone. And I was very conflicted that I wasn't really defending the country. And it was a really difficult time. And my father sent me this uh, letter that said, Tom, I know this is difficult for you letter this is before email so uh i said i know this is very difficult for you but understand that if you were in the army you would be a bureaucrat pushing papers well that was it quit university that day and started my transition to get into the israeli army in a way that i wouldn't lose my american citizenship and then um i, I have, I I have a quick question for you though and i'm gonna guess this because i've read through your bio though but like i have a feeling that uh you like when people tell you you can't do something oh my god because <laughs> you know I, I don't know most entrepreneurs are the same way and maybe that creates the fire inside of us is we've been doubted our whole lives and so you can either listen to the doubt and again it's tough to shut off those voices okay it's it's not easy yeah but or or you can take it and you can turn that around for fire of i'll show you yeah. and you do it in spite of it and you just take that and you flip the energy and you put it to your back and use that to get, create that grit, which entrepreneurs and tenacity is all about. I think that's what the entrepreneurial paradigm is, to be honest with you, is that a lot of people are told I can't do something and they either accept it or the ones that say, no, I'm going to challenge this and I'm going to use it for fire. I really think that's one of the driving forces for the most successful entrepreneurs. And I have this obsession to address my, my weaknesses, yeah. such as one of my weaknesses back then was I was scared of heights. I remember we were, I was in a, uh, on a hike with a bunch of students up in, um, down in the Negev desert. And we were sitting on this area where there was a bunch of soft sand, really soft. And there was a little ledge about maybe it's 13 feet high. And there was a, there was a bunch of people started jumping off into the soft sand and girls started jumping off. And then I went to the edge and I froze. And I froze there for three minutes as people are shouting me to jump. And then luckily a friend came and grabbed my hand and just pulled me over and, and I went, it was 13 feet. So, but challenges and weaknesses, but I was angry that I had that weakness inside of me. So when I was talking, looking at different options of in the army, what I wanted to get into, 
one of the units was uh, Airborne Rescue. All about heights, all about repelling, all about jumping <laughs> out of planes. Um, and um, the other advice I got was a really good one by a friend of mine who had gone into the Army, was in paratroopers and a commander, and he said, and he's from Scotland, and he said, Tom, I, as you're picking what unit you want to get into, understand this, that when you're in a combat unit, it's tough. When you're in special forces, it may be 30% or 40% tougher, or 30% tougher. But understand that when things are really difficult, so it's 30% tougher, who cares? Mm -hmm. It just sucks anyways. So just go with as high as you can, and the thing that's gonna take you to the next level is the people that surround you, you surrounded by. The caliber and the trust level of your team is gonna get you to a level that you never thought was possible. And that's oh, when I started it. looking at the top four units in the special forces. I picked one, which was um, uh, 669 Airborne Rescue, and that's what I went into. And just, when you have this vision, and I created this clear vision, there was, once I set it and set my eyesight towards uh, the unit 669, I saw myself in uniform. I saw myself getting in. I didn't care about the odds of getting in. The odds are this, 170,000 people in the Army, 60,000 in combat roles. Of that, there are um, 15,000 that tried to get into my unit. Of that, the Army puts you through different psychological tasks and technical tasks and other, and ultimately, they have to pick a few thousand to come for a one-day tryout. Of that, they pick 500 to go through a week of hell. Out of that week of hell, um, which was fascinating, not only they try to break you physically, they try to break you emotionally, they also test your trust. Mm. What? What do you mean test their trust? One thing is, is, after the third night, no sleeping, we finally lay down for a few minutes, they got us up, and they had us just running drills, and they had us say, okay, the next thing is we want everyone to go 100 yards into the 100 meters in the dark where there's a, a nightstick in the bushes. And there we want you to do 100, 100 push-ups and then come back and we're going to time you. And then so I got there and I said, okay, I did my push-ups. And I said, oh my God, was that 99 or was that 100? So then I jumped down and did two more just to make sure. What I didn't know is there was someone out there with night goggles, visions, counting to see who went out there and because they weren't watched who actually yeah. would fall through. And based on that, they had people kick out that night, kicked out that night. That's, a, that's a, about trust. one of my three core, um, you know, pieces for me is integrity. So it's what people, what you do when people, when, what you do when you know that people aren't watching you, right? And that's exactly what that is. That's amazing that they have it in the drill session because for me, for people who are going to be successful or people that I've hired even for minimum wage jobs, I always ask them that same question. You know, what are you going to do when no one's asking you to do something do you sit on your butt you walk around you do those things i think that's an amazing uh core value that they're looking for and so yeah. how did that how did that work out with the other like was that, a, was, that a, was that a good eliminator yeah well that was and that was the one in many but at the end of uh there were 500 500 of us who started that and they picked 23 of us to start wow. an 18 month course at the end of 23 there are 13 of us left but as someone with you know, and that's it. And we were close in a tight knit team because we went through it, not in spite of it, which is it. And and what's interesting, if you look at any great, amazing company or that has a great culture and a great team, or if you look at special forces, what they look for is there are, if you look at things on an X axis and a Y axis, Y axis is uh, performance, how great of an athlete, how talent, how great are people at, you know, physical, 
in the army or athletes versus uh, you can look at it in business as top salespeople, but or whatever the skill is, top engineer, top IT, doesn't really matter, top CFO. So on the x-axis is trust and heart. I would rather have a team of people that are seven and eights that are tens on heart and trust than a team of all tens. No, that's fantastic. All that's, day long. Uh, yeah, when I would hire people, you know, um, we had a lot, we hired a lot of people and I'm sure not nearly as many as you guys do, but at one point I had like 120 employees, you know, and it's like, I would ask them, it, no matter what the job was, it was all on three core values. You know, I want honesty, integrity, and I want you to do the right thing. Like, I want you to look for a job when you don't have one to do. You know, I was like, everything else we can teach you. Your skill set doesn't, doesn't did, to me, didn't correlate nearly as much as I wanted on the, on, the, on the skill side as I wanted you on those factors that we talked about, the x-axis, was so much more uh, predictable of the success of you and the company and the success of the company really came from those core values as opposed to just a skill set. I've been yeah. staring at the poster behind you where it says either I'll find my way or I'll create my way or I will not create an excuse. Now, I, that last part is new to me. The top part is what I've always, I, I've said for years, which is, and I say in Hebrew, I'm so, I'm so at the derech. Or I need I will find my way or I'll create my way. I'll create a path. And and that's always it. And entrepreneurs, it is easiest. It doesn't matter what path you're on, whether you're doing it for school, whether you're doing it for um, the army, whether you're doing it for a business, is the idea of find is find the path that other successful people have done. Mm -hmm. But if you can't find that path, then just create it. Mm -hmm. just just make it happen and we can because sometimes there is not a logical path and you just have to grit and get through it yeah and I think for me um, I prefer that sometimes which has been a challenge for me um, is that I don't always want to follow others but I think one of the most one of the best business lessons I ever learned was to emulate successful characteristics not necessarily their path right because I think the characteristics will breed the results and it's kind of amazing because it's what you're talking about going like, you know, a couple thousand people at a tryout and they only keep 13. Like, why wouldn't they want 200, you know, special forces guys, right? Because they know that 13 is going to probably outbeat and outwork those 200 that they could keep or whatever it is because they've got the execution, you know, they've got the execution, they've got the heart, the talent, and everything else. And I think it's an amazing kind of concept for people with business is that a lot of people just want to add employees. Like, oh, I need five more guys because I, I don't have, then I all do this. You probably have the right employees or you need different employees, but you need to have the 13. You don't need the 200, right? Yeah, it's interesting. If you look at my um, Atlanta Coast Brands business, we grew very fast the first five years until uh, we got to 550 employees. And uh, if you look at us now, we're almost the same size as we were back then. And we have 23. <laughs> just just so i can and assure myself which one do you prefer <laughs> i'm having a great quality of life put it that way yeah I, it's cool i never ever want to have 100 plus employees again in my life this like team I just, I'm, dance I'm happy. circles around that team back then now many yeah. of them came from that yeah some of those people that are my vp of marketing was uh was I brought him in into a customer service team and he quickly became a lead of a 10 person team. 
in customer service. He's the VP. But you look throughout my organization is people have been with us for most of the teams have been with us for a decade. Now, when there's a spot that opens up, we bring in superstars just, yeah. and they're just incredible game changers, but we're all really come from the island of misfit toys. Yeah, no, I, um, you know, a lot of times like we, our, C, our, uh, our head, uh, accounting CFO was in our, uh, we had an RV dealerships. He was in our, um, uh, detail unit. And come to find out he was a, a, um, a professor at the University of Havana, but he didn't speak English. And so he was outside washing RVs. <laughs> and so we moved him right up. Almost everybody in my, in my, in my dealership who went, uh, you know, just shot up the ranks came from the lowest position. But because we recognized talent, we recognized part. That was, again, I can teach the other parts of, the, of, the, of it, but that you can't really teach integrity. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and so you, so you got through and you got to this and how long did you stay there? And then what did you take away from that that you brought into the business world? Because I do want to get into your brands and your businesses, but what were your main takeaways from that? Okay. There's so many takeaways. I'll start with fundamentals. The first thing you're taught in the Israeli army is it's a philosophy of Aharai. It's after me. And this has been instilled since the very beginning of the establishment of the Israeli, uh, the Israeli defense forces. It's the concept of Aharai after me. A leader leads from the front. It doesn't lead in the back. You lead by example. You also lead. And if you're in the front, you can clearly see what's going on with the battlefield. You can make last minute adjustments with your troops and they're following you. You can't do that from a tent way far away. And that's why, you know, it's a disproportionate number of, 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 officers at higher ranks be killed in our in battles in israel because of that philosophy they're they're out in, they're out in front but uh, but they're leading it so in me and my business uh, businesses is i have a fundamental understanding a fundamental understanding of all the foundations of what it takes to run my business i don't have the biggest depth i don't need to i have experts for that and it's their job to understand it but i have a fundamental understanding and therefore as i th see things changing I understand how the systems of how everything works together because everything affects everything. And therefore, I'm a better leader that can make calls. I'll never ask anyone to do anything that I would not do. And there's a respect for me for doing that. Again, it's what you are from a leader perspective. So that counts about far right. Uh, in, our, in special forces, we were, yes, we were taught urban warfare. We were taught um, uh, field warfare. We were taught um, um, everything from um, how to detonate mines to, um, we did a lot from rescuing from so how did helicopters, waters. What? <laughs> how did paratrooping go? <laughs> yeah, it went for, it, so that, that was great. That was for great. Thir for the 13 foot guy, right? It might as well have been 130 feet probably at a point. But like, how uh, and by the way, and that's it is you face your fears and you just, you just suck it up, put a smile on your face and you just go. And in business, that's the same way as we end up, end up going some very scary times in business. And what I can tell you right now is that when things are really great and you think that your shit doesn't smell, you think that you're perfect, you think you're talented because you're making all this money and the business growing fast, it is never as good as you think it is and be careful. And when things are really bad and you have no way out and you're on the precipice of disaster and losing everything and you're thinking of just calling it quits, what I can tell you is it's never as bad as you think it is. So just relax, change perspective, and look at other alternatives. So, so the, again, those are all valuable lessons that I've learned. 
I had a lesson in there too that was the flip side of yeah. I had a lesson inside the flip side of that, which was I wasn't as good as I thought I was either. (laughs) When things when I shot up like a rocket, you know, I was like, ah, I'm really good at this. This is easy. And then when the rug came out, I was like, okay, time to re (laughs) time to have a little evaluation on ourselves here, right? (laughs) And that's the benefit of being on the wrong as experienced entrepreneurs as we are, as as many successes and failures that we have, and. Yes, we learn a lot from successes and what are the frameworks for success, but we sure learn even more from failures. Yeah, that's a big word. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because I know it's one of those topics that you speak about. Um, you've got a kind of a thing, a concept called the, multi, uh, the multiple effect framework. And, uh, and I know it says in here kind of the five things you got to do to multiply five extra profits. And I think that would be really fun to kind of um, kind of delve into. Um, if you can kind of explain the concept and, and you know, or what that is. Okay. So, you know, and it depends on the business, but the fundamentals are still sound. I'm going to start with the three that make the most sense to me in any fundamental business because every business is based on marketing and sales. So if I can increase my average order value by 5%, increase my rebuy rate by 5%, and increase my conversion by 5%, that's it. Not five points, 5%. I will increase my profits by 50%. If I increase my conversion by 5%, my average order value by 5%, or my prices by 5%, and my uh, and 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 the uh, um, rebuy rate again, those are the three fundamentals to increase your profits by 50 50%. Right. Then then there are other fundamentals that you look at in your business. Yes, I would absolutely. If you think that you can't cut more out of your cost structure, you're wrong. And so it doesn't matter whether it's G&A or your variable costs is renegotiating with your vendors. You should be challenging everything on a regular basis because those are the opportunities for, again, you reduce your variable cost by 5% meter also. So there are a number of different tools. And also, you know, from a business is, we'll start fundamentally is what business are you in? Is it the right niche? And you really know your customers fundamentals because if you do you have a better stickiness with him or her or them they're going to order more for you but you really have to understand why you're in business and your team knows that and who your customer is and build the whole business around them if you're focused around chasing money well again around that goal your business can disappear it's inevitable if you're focused around you have your clear vision and mission for your business and understand what makes you unique and you're focused on your customers you're going to have a business that will last a lot lifetime. You know, the foolish thing that I've seen people do is they build, they try to build companies for quick exits. So stupid. You're chasing the wrong goals. It's, it's the challenge of a publicly created company who has to make short-term decisions when they really should be making long-term ones in a private. And, and so people that says, Oh, I'm going to create a quick flip. Okay. If you build a great business with great profits and really sticky customers that really are passionate about your brand, there's going to be multiple exits. Build it a list, at least it's going to last forever and then look for opportunities to exit, but keep the business as if it's going to be there for a lifetime and there'll be other buyers for your business. And by the way, my other philosophy, Cody, is that I believe that every entrepreneur should have over their lifetime, if they start young enough, five exits, Mm. but not because they're looking to flip quick. You know, I think that... um... I, I'm wondering if it kind of gets to you a little bit like it gets to me when I see people talking about where they are piling money into these private equity firms are trying to pile money into unproven businesses and they're hoping that one out of 10 work 
right? And they're like, well, you know, the, the startup culture, I guess, you know, grind it out, um, spend ungodly amounts of cash, and then see if it works. Like, the, is, is that, what are your feelings about that? Um, I think it's insane. I just, <laughs> I just it, it's just, it's, I don't, it's, to me, it's gambling. And I'm not, a, I'm not a gambler. Yeah. I just, I never have been, I, I mean, I gambled when I, when I'm betting right now, you know, um, it's not, you know, it's a good budget. You know, I'm gambling right now, um, a million and a half dollars every month on media that is going to convert. Yeah. You know, again, that's my gambling. And, but the probability is in my side. So I like that gambling. The fact that I, you know, and I say, okay, let's bet $500 on the TV spot or $5,000 on the TV spot. I can afford to make the bet and I, the bet and I have data behind me that says a good bet. But when, you know, when you're talking about just gambling like that, I don't get it. And I've also different ideas on how to grow businesses and, and the other points of leverage that we didn't talk about. Yeah. Well, let's talk about them. Okay. <laughs> I love the idea because I, I want to, I didn't really bring it up. I know that, um, uh, you know, I know of your background and stuff, but like, um, let's, let's get into those. But I also want to talk about kind of what, where you're at right now with, I mean, you guys have built some very big businesses, you know, uh, Kira Neek is I, on the TV all the time. I see that I know the products very well. Um, you know, and when I look at kind of knowing the story of how you got there a little bit, but like, where do you think that you've been able to hit some of these home runs, right? So to speak as, a, as um, with that planning ahead of time, like, you know what I'm saying? It's not really gambling. I'm sure you didn't just, you know, uh, take a bunch of investor money and say, okay, what are we going to do with it now? Like you had to come in through business planning and, and have a strategy and those kinds of things. So how did you, how did you do that? Um, it's interesting. And let me just give people context of just where my business background came from. So I spent my time in the Army, came back to the States with the goal of just finishing focus on my education. I started, but I saw a product in Israel. I didn't see in the United States and said, hmm, I get a hundred bucks in my pocket. And relative to the risk in being in the Army, and being in Lebanon and other places, okay, it's, is that really risk? So I started, I saw product car shades that go in the cardboard, pieces that go in the cart on the dashboard. So I started manufacturing those and exploded on me and I was selling to Woolworths and Albertsons and I was flying up to Detroit meeting with the motor companies about putting them in each one of their cars and doing- Car promoting. shade king, huh? <laughs> it was, That's yeah, awesome. and it was, it was a great one product company that lasted for two years while I was in school. But it was, I, I got an incredible education. And the first thing that I learned is what I don't know. I might, could, I, you know, business development, I was pretty good in, 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 in merchandising and marketing. I felt I had some natural talent there, but I didn't know a thing about operations, you know, um, how to structure processes, accounting, inventory flow, forecasting. What is the guts of what makes a business actually tick? And I got, and I get carried away to weakness. It's a weakness. So what did I do? I got a bachelor's and master's degree in industrial engineering, but that turned out to be the perfect foundation. You take industrial engineering, process systems, analytics, statistics, you marry that science with my marketing and merchandising and the arts, and suddenly I'm a direct marketer, direct consumer marketer. So that's really the foundation. Um, I unfortunately took a side turn, worked for AT&T for three years, which I hated, um, and walked away when my, my wife got pregnant with golden handcuffs which they just didn't get, you're being promoted, how can you quit? But I knew that I had just limited time to start my next business. 
I just can now the incredible thing if you're young, no matter where you are in life, if you can do consulting for a couple of years, you get to play in a lot of people's sandbox and learn so much, which gave me the foundation to start my next startup, the T Shipley catalog. We were it was 20 years ago. We were an e-com e-commerce store doing um, early stages of the email marketing, Google. So it was incredible. Uh, our print cat our print catalog, we sold up sent millions out every month. 14 pages in Sky Mall, did some mergers and acquisitions. Sold that business off in 2010 and came up with the concept of Atlantic Coast Brands, which is let's use omni-channel marketing, um, online, TV, radio, print, direct mail, you name it, to create iconic beauty brands that eventually will sell through, will put in retail and they'll sell through because it has that awareness. Our first brand was Hydroxetone. We started that, you know, with nothing, no formulations, and we developed that product. It took us the first year, we did about 300,000 sales. The next year, we did a couple million, and then we hit 15 million, and the next year, we did 100 million in sales in that brand. Fantastic. And again, it was multi-channel driven by TV, and a lot of different challenges created the war room for opportunity. And then we launched, then we're always looking for the next blue ocean, it turned out to be women's hair loss and launched that brand, Karenik, in 2010. So um, there was something in there that you briefly mentioned, and I wanna go back and kind of uh, peel the onion back on it a little bit, which is that you mentioned being able to go in and consult into, uh, into businesses so that you can see how they're run. And so in my background, um, I had four companies and you know we're doing seven figures plus, 27 years old. I mean, thought I had the world by the tail. 2008 comes, blew up on me. I knew nothing about business, like literally. I just thought I was really, really good at it. I had four real estate-based companies in South Florida, like just gone one year, right? I went from being a millionaire basically to 700 grand in debt, bankrupt, foreclosures, IRS liens, like the whole shebang, right? And so I really realized I didn't know anything about that. So my main goal, I didn't know anything about business. Like I could make the bell ring for sales. Oh, by the thing. way, stop right there, Cody. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if your listeners know that is when you looked at that devastation right there, when you lost everything and you had IRS putting liens, okay? How did you feel at that moment during um, that time of this unfolding? Absolutely constrained and defeated as you could imagine. And before that, and the fear of as it was unfolding where there's just no way out, okay? Now, put yourself where you are now, would you be where you are now if you didn't go through that? Oh, I tell everybody, I would absolutely never have changed that. Not in the least bit. But if you had asked me while I was in the middle of it, absolutely I would have changed it. <laughs> the answer is right? yes. It's, it's, it's always that way. It's always but, that way. And people yeah. don't understand that. And no matter where you are in life, you will hit walls. Um, you know, I have a business, you know, my business is not, is a great business. I have customers that love our product. We're for sale. You know, you find us in Ulta and Nordstrom's and, um, and, and Rite Aid and CVS and big Amazon business and on TV and it's a great business. And something happened in my business where last May, we were done. We were out of, you know, we hit a wall, three bad things happened at once and we were, um, our cash dried up, our marketing stopped working, everything happened at once. And therefore I was faced with losing and everything and having to start again. And that immediate, again, no matter how big you are, that fear goes in, I call it the weak at the knees moment, but understand that these things don't happen necessarily to you, they happen for you. Yeah. But because I went through that adversity, yes, I pulled out of it and the company's doing great now, but 
the gifts that I was given over the last 15 months because of that have been massive. So I would say for me, for me to, I think the, um, one of the turning points was as I was going through it, uh, I had to have a paradigm shift, right? I had to have this massive mindset change and I found, well, I'll tell you, so basically I was, why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. right right so that was i was in that mindset and i'm like why did this happen to me i was doing so great you know this isn't fair and then my mom always had this saying like she would say like pull your bootstraps up i don't even know what that means but i know what it means you know what i mean right so she was my my wife you know i was sitting on the back porch we had a condo on the beach we're on these rocking chairs we're in foreclosure no all my businesses are gone everything and we're like i have no job prospects right because i'm toxic i'm in the real estate industry in a way yeah yeah and so she looks at me and she, she goes, she goes, and I'm just, you know, dumping, right? I'm just blah, 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 you know, this, and she looks at me and she goes, what are you going to do about it? And that one thing just stopped me. And, you know, people said, you know, I had people tell me like, oh, you can't climb out of this. You are going to, you need to file bankruptcy. Like this is, you're, you're not going to be able to do this. This is, you know, you're going to, you're never going to recover. And all these people tell me this stuff. And I was like, you know what, what am I going to do about it? All right. And that literally flipped my switch. And I went to go, you know what? This happened for me. And I, you know what? I'm going to show every single person who tells me I'm a failure. Watch what I do. Right. And I knew, but I, I did the same thing. I assessed where was my weakness. Right. I built a company of 30 people at 25 years old. Right. I had four businesses. I knew how to make the bell rings. I had call centers all over the world. Like I had all this stuff. And I said, you know what? I don't know how to run a business. I know zero about it. I dropped off my bank statements at the end of the year at the tax accountants. I had eight five, uh, tax returns to file because I always had these next big deals coming in that were going to take care of the ones that, you know, my problems behind. Yeah. And then when the, when the deal flow stopped, the problem stayed there. Right. So I had to fix balance sheets. I had to learn what a balance sheet was. Right. I had no idea. So I went in 08, 09, 2010, and I started going into businesses. And that's why I brought that up about what you talk about. If you could go find a way to get into consulting, because as a business banker at the time, it wasn't just like trying to find loans. I was going into businesses, telling them how to fix them so that they didn't go out of business because I was walking into thousands of businesses. And, you know, I, I had, I learned, that's where I talk about characteristics now because it wasn't the business that they were in. Right. I had poor doctors going out of business and I had rich doctors, right. I had poor uh, retailers going out of business and I had rich retailers that were tech capitalizing on the market. And I started seeing, um, similarities, right? And I started seeing them and I'm like, I would have people all the time because I was a commercial banker. I'd be like, what business should I go in? Cause everybody was scared about losing their job or needed to do something in 09, 2010, you know, and everything was just crashed. And people say, what business should I go in? I go, no, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what business you should go in. There's a little bit, like I wouldn't open a newspaper, but New York times is making more money now than they ever have in the history of the paper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's really on knowing your operations and then covering all pieces of a business plan. I never did that. I never even brought the concept to myself. I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was like a business plan. I was like, what are you going to do and how are you going to sell it? It's like, okay, great. But like you mentioned, you know, there's sales, marketing, operations, customer service, and then there's both sides of finance. How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to collect your bills? And what are you going to do to make sure that you have enough cash on hand to do it? Right. I never knew any of that stuff. Nobody ever brought it up to me. I never knew any of that. I just knew to be an entrepreneur and charge hard. Right. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. <laughs> and so I spent three years doing that. And then that's where that mentality shift, you know, that's why I mentioned earlier, I know you probably really reveled in your, somebody saying, you can't go do that, Tom. I'm like, oh yeah. 
somebody else can do it. I can do it. Watch me, you know? And so, um, you know, that, that's where, when I heard you say, man, I kind of spent a couple of years consulting. That was the most valuable three years of my life because at that time I was just so flipped bad that I said in 10 years, I'm going to retire. And they're like, what? I'm like, I'm going to retire by 39 because I heard about fire, right? I heard I found a fire community, financial independent retire early. And I was like, I don't, I, I've never even thought of that concept. I don't know what that is, but I'm doing that in 10 years. And they're like, you're still going to be bankrupt in 10 years. I'm like, watch me, <laughs> you know? And I backed into it. And just like you said, you said you visualize that, that, that where you wanted to be and you backed it into actionable items that you could do over those 10 years to get there. And, uh, and I did it, you know, um, I did it at 38 actually. And so, um, you know, I don't want to take over your whole story, but I just, that's, that got me pumped up when I heard you say that, because it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't put a value on what I learned between the aspects of where I saw successful business owners and unsuccessful business owners. And it wasn't the business they were in. And you're right. It doesn't matter what business I'm in. It's all the same fundamentals and it's no, all you passion walk into and drive. A business. And we... Yeah. You can't tell me you couldn't walk into it. If I gave you a business model right now and I said, Hey, Tom, I want you to be a brick and mortar retailer. Right. That's like toxic right now. Everybody's oh, the internet's taking over everything. And I know that you're in e-commerce. So, but if I told you, you had to only work in brick and mortar business, could you make it work? Of course you can. Yes. Of course you can. You're always looking for what that just create your own new blue ocean. Mm-hmm. Or as I call it, the purple ocean, because you need customers there that are willing to jump there. Yeah. Yeah. Just be a little bit different than the red. Right. And tell them why find the pain point of why they don't like the red. There you are. Off. There you are. So yeah. let me also share this because this is really interesting for your customers if you, or your, 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 your listeners. If I look over history as far as um, things that I did because out of necessity that turned out to be some of the best decisions I made and then turning that into a business model. So if I look at uh, what, uh, what happened when I got into some challenges in my team building the T-shirt play catalog. We had, some, we had some real challenges and on, um, I was introduced to an opportunity of a company that was bigger than, it was a $15 million a year business, catalog business. They were reliable home office. It was owned by Boise Cascade and Boise Cascade was spinning off the division. I didn't have, we were in debt. We weren't cash flow positive, but here's the opportunity to, if I could buy a business with positive cash flow, big, strong customer list. And so I was talking with the investment banker and created this opportunity to buy this business. And sure enough, I bought that, integrated another business, got capital from the outside. And again, it was a turning point in that business. Fast forward, uh, when we started Hydroxytone in 2005, it was me and my partner in an attic outside, uh, overlooking a horse farm in, uh, in outside Richmond, Virginia. And we started this business, it was just two of us. And we had everything. We went all in with the business, all our cash, everything that we have uh, accumulated over the years. And we were all in. And we even brought on a consulting client to get the lights on, which was Urban Nutrition out of Hoboken, New Jersey. 15 million in sales, a million and a half in, in EBITDA. Two young, uh, two young, a young couple were running this. And later on, they got married. And we were working with them. And we said, you know something, either we want to build a co- our next phase businesses, we're going to build our business to you or we're going to buy you. And that joke, joking with them six months later is we bought them. Now, remember, we didn't have any assets. We had spent everything in our business. We were growing hydroxyl. We were parlaying our cash from one print ad to another and growing this business at a time. 
And meanwhile, we ended up bringing in, again, Mez Capital. Um, and we brought in a mezzanine lender who was a great one. We went, we found someone who could, was specialized in that. He went out for very inexpensive, represented us. He found the right partners. We picked one of them and they're the one who funded the acquisition. But the owners, what did they give them? We paid them a little over two, uh, two times cash flow. So the young people suddenly got just a, got a $3 million check. Plus on top of that, they had, they retained 15% equity in the business. And two years later, we gave them a check for another three and a half million. Wow. So it, because we were able to grow, but that foundation of, but what did we buy? We bought not only 15 products, we brought a customer service team. They had a little mini warehouse. They had, um, they had a CRM platform. They had all the infrastructure we need to put hydroxytone on. And because we did that is it exploded hydroxone sales. Remember I said it went to 7 million and 15 million. Well, that's it. And then we split, went to 100 million through that acquisition. I've done a number of acquisitions almost always with no cash out of pocket. Doesn't mean I didn't pay for it. Yeah. Other cash out of pocket. And then sitting here recently with, with Roland Frazier, where that is his model, is that why would you ever start brands from scratch, which I always done, which is painful and risky. Why won't you just take an existing business, buy it, and use that as a platform, attach to your platform, and just grow and grow through acquisitions, which is really my new paradigm. Yeah on what we're doing. So as I'm looking to exit my current business in the near future, looking at creating the next platform play, which is going to be, we'll be rolling up Amazon businesses and then eventually e-com businesses to create again, what's the path right now in the fastest path to what I'm saying is 200 million in EBITDA. I don't care about top line and a billion dollar valuation. This is it, it's acquisitions. If I try to do this from scratch, it's a, it's a lottery, like we talked about. That's yeah. pure gambling. This is not gambling. I'm buying businesses between one to three, one to five million in sales with 20% EBITDA, and I'm just grouping them together for diversity. Yeah, that is, uh, I, I, I know that is such a great concept that I don't believe a lot of people know that you can do is acquire businesses. Like they don't realize they're like real estate. Like you can buy and sell them, there's valuations, there's people to finance them, there's all these, uh, all these pieces. And so, um, going in and in, 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 uh, into that world to say, okay, I'm going to come in and start acquiring, um, you know, Amazon, Amazon businesses. Um, how, how do you go about targeting them? Okay. Uh, finding them. Yeah. It's a process where what right now we're, we're starting with networks and our goal is we'll be up and running in within 90 days and doing this and creating the platform. And we're doing a lot of things very fast to make this happen. But first of all, it's my extensive networks. In this case, it's my it's my partner who runs Canopy, Brian Burt. Um, he is one of the leading Amazon agencies. It's his network. But then it's also people we're expanding out to, uh, people that we know that are business brokers and other things yeah. to get these lead flow in. Now, ideally, we want to work not through business brokers because, again, then you're in a competitive environment working on individually, but we use our network. We use our social media. There's other strategies we have such as challenges and other things to bring in lead flow and develop relationships with these sellers and get them ready to sell. I love the idea of the digital agency. Like I never thought of that as that being a lead source, but that's almost the perfect lead source because they're, they know, they know the ins and outs. They know where the challenges are that they're messing up in the marketing piece of it. Cause there's a lot of it's marketing or it's if they are great marketing and not very good at operations, then they're, they're losing that, uh, that rebuy that you talked about. Right. 
And so I think I think Amazon helps a lot with the logistics of that. But I've had stuff I bought on Amazon. I'm like, and I'm dealing with vendors. And I'm like, this is they're not going to last, you know, because that expectation of customer service is so high that exactly. Amazon is set for everybody. Well, that is uh, that's awesome, man. And I, I I wish you nothing but the biggest and best success. And knowing you uh, and and your story that um, if there's a brick wall, you'll probably run through it or run around it or jump over it or find someone to help you over it or whatever else it takes that you will, uh, you know, you will create a way or find a way, right? Not, <laughs> Not an excuse. So um, listen, Tom, I want, uh, I want to thank you for coming on Money Talkers with me, man, and sharing all this. Um, it, where can people find out more about you and, uh, and, and what you're doing? How can they follow along with you? In your the story? best way is um, either through social media, Tom, Tom Shipley or tshipley.com. It's my website, T-S-H-I-P-L-E-Y.com. And that's how to reach out to me. That's also how to contact me. Man, fantastic. Well, thank you again for coming on Money Talkers with me. I'll put that and I'll put the links down in the show notes for you. And, uh, and, and again, man, thank you for sharing your story with our, with our audience. Absolutely. Enjoyed hearing your story also, Cody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at The Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker